Wake up, Mother Kundalini, thou whose nature is bliss. Thou dwelling like a serpent asleep at the lotus of Muladhara, sore, afflicted, and distressed am I in body and mind. Bless me and leave thy place at the basic lotus. Take thy upward course through the central canal. Be united with God at Sahasrara, the thousand-petaled lotus in the brain. Be there freely, O Mother, giver of bliss, whose existence, knowledge, and the Absolute itself. Wake up, Mother Kundalini, wake up. Hello and welcome to the second episode in this series on Awakening the Chakras. If you missed the first introductory episode, go back and watch that one to get a feel for how we're approaching and understanding all of this. This episode will cover understanding the first chakra, the Muladhara chakra, or the Church of Ephesus, the root chakra, which is the colour red, the basic lotus located at the coccyx at the base of the spine, or more deeply, in the perineum. As you can see on the screen, this centre is also known as one of the three Dantians in Qigong and various other Chinese systems. Uh, a quick note, quite a few of you requested subtitles in different languages. Actually, all languages are available. To do this, simply turn on subtitles by clicking the CC icon as seen on the screen, then click the cog, click subtitles, auto-translate and choose your language. And firstly, a massive thank you to everyone for your really positive comments on the first episode. So many open-minded people. Uh, I've been on YouTube for almost a year now and I've never seen one of my videos get so much attention in just a short amount of time. So it really goes to show how dispersed, vague and uh, how complex this topic of the chakras and kundalini is. Even though it's such a common topic, people still feel very much unempowered and unenlightened with it. So I'm grateful that I can be here with you all and share what I've been studying and practicing for over 11 years. Uh, just to mention, this series is really made possible by the support I get through Patreon, allowing me to invest more time to create things like this for you. I have many other series in mind I'd love to do as well, like the science of the zodiac, explanations of the different dimensions, science of numerology, planets and tarot, the different spiritual bodies and a lot more. So if you'd like to support the channel, you're welcome to. You'll also have direct access to our community where you can chat with me and others on this journey in our live discord forum which is really a fun and more intimate way to ask me questions related to all of this you know i can't possibly fit in everything i would like to even in this series it all takes time but anyhow that's why we have a community and bi-weekly live voice chats for q a's and group discussions the patreon link is in the description if you'd like to join uh, and since there's so many new subscribers here, I understand that you may not have been following my videos. A lot of my videos are about astral projection, but only as a path to spiritual awakening as a whole. So when we get to the practices at the end of this episode, I'll be recommending extra various resources to get you started on your spiritual path. And on that note, Please keep in mind that I may say some things that could conflict with people's religious beliefs. For example, if I tell you that in Gnostic understanding, the Holy Spirit 
is the same as Kundalini, I am not asking you to believe in anything. I am simply telling you one system of understanding. I am just relaying information. You take from it what you will using unbiased, objective, experiential deduction. We have to get over the sort of uh, pettiness over fighting over beliefs, right? Beliefs are nothing in comparison to direct experience. There is value in belief, of course, but when it comes to direct experience, this is something else. Watch my video on what is Gnosis if you're interested in that. So in this series, I'm simply pointing to you a location in some mountains far away, right? You are free to walk over there and see what you find. If you don't like it, you can simply walk into another location. Okay, so be sure to be subscribed to keep up with this series and give the video a like to help it get out there a bit. And so let's begin by understanding what this root chakra is all about. This root chakra is what it sounds like. That is, the roots of a tree are buried into the soil and it drinks water life essence. In the same way, this is where our spiritual energy enters into. It is a center of intelligence which guides us mostly through the intelligence of our physical body, that is, our motor instinctive center, and it guides us with things relating to our basic survival process. Hence why I said earlier, and as you saw in the prayer at the introduction of the video, it is the basic lotus, one of seven lotuses. So in order to be efficiently aligned with this center and be able to listen to the intelligence that it has for us, we need to be in touch with our physical bodies directly. It's almost scary how many of us are mostly out of touch with our physical bodies because we're always using our intellectual center, our thinking to solve our problems. To say just one of hundreds of examples, everyone's always arguing about what diet is best and what you intellectually think is superior, right? Of course, I respect a good diet, okay? But different people need to eat different things in different periods of their life and according to their circumstances, you know? There's a lot of different foods out there that are apparently healthy, but also stimulating in different ways. Ayurveda is a great resource for this. So really, the best diet is an intuitive and instinctive one, meaning we should be in touch with our bodies, whether we are actually hungry and feel what it actually needs. It's not just food we do this to, we do it to friendships, career, exercise, morality, and many other dimensions of life. We like to subscribe to our lifestyle preferences and then unconsciously live them out comfortably instead of living presently. So if you want to practice making spontaneous decisions based on how you feel in the moment, for example, simply ask yourself if you are actually hungry and if so, what you want to eat. You have to have a silent mind for that and not answer yourself mechanically, egoically. This is an intelligence but it seems strange to the intellectual mind to just wait for silence to answer. But really, it's a more efficient way to live, listening to the guiding voice of silence. So the kind of bigger point here is that when we receive this cosmic muladhara energy that comes into the root chakra, 
we play around with it like children using egoic likes and dislikes and preferences instead of listening to its guidance and let that energy manifest in our life in ways that it should. If we did listen to it, we would absolutely be able to live a better quality life. This isn't so much a very spiritual chakra, actually. It's very basic. You could say it's the chakra of common sense. Some are in touch with it naturally, especially those who live a more sophisticated life, eating well, showering regularly, right? Taking care of themselves, eating good food, uh, having healthy hobbies, etc. So this chakra is about safety, security, health, stability generally meaning, you know, having the instinct to survive and provide a safe home for yourself and your family to thrive and have a good life. But if this chakra is imbalanced, you may feel anxious, fearful, restless, lazy, or even a sort of compulsive drive to survive, kind of like the fight or flight response. If you've ever been in that response in a scary situation in your life, you will feel a massive surge of energy there enabling you to make a quick decision. You know, if a man is running at you with a weapon, you don't use your head, do you? You don't say, oh, look at this fine gentleman, what a nice weapon he has. Uh, perhaps I should strike a conversation with him. <laughs> uh, no, fight or flight triggers, right? And you run for your life. Your legs and your lower region of your body get this boost of energy. It doesn't matter even if you're a usually unfit person who can't run either. This root chakra, which is abundance with our source of life force, uh, will give it to you if your spirit, your kundalini allows it. The more will you have to live, the more it will help you. But perhaps if you're too much of an intellectual and decide to speak to the man instead, then perhaps your root chakra is really out of balance or you're just so depressed, so depleted that you can't even be bothered moving and he kills you because of your sheer laziness. Imagine, right? Um, so this primal chakra, okay, is very simple, very basic. And especially as we advance spiritually, it's not really necessary to overcomplicate your concentration on just this area a lot. With that said, even though it is so basic, we still need to develop it and become aware of it. Uh, some people are so stuck in their heads, they would really benefit from connecting with their primal self like this. Look at any animal in the wild, you'll see how they just know when to eat, where to find food. They don't panic about it, they just know. If a storm is coming, the birds are always the first to migrate to, or when they are growing, they just know how to build a nest. Many animals instinctively fast on certain days and eat more on other days as well. We share all of that similar information too. We are animals, are we not? Uh, we can detect when there are certain forces on certain days when we should eat a lot and other days when we shouldn't. So this kind of trumps all rigid diets out there. This is about living more presently, in tune with our energy and our bodies. So accordingly, this chakra is the only chakra which is linked to the element of earth. If this chakra is overactive, a person may also be in this compulsive state of survival, 
a lot of people today, I'd say most people in our world, are stuck in this root energy center. All of us, including myself, are stuck in some way. We, we have some challenges there, okay? Uh, but it's very common for most people to be really stuck in here, uh, especially people who are sort of obsessed with watching the news. That's a very good example. Um, you know, people who are really emotionally strung with keeping up with government activity, economics, crime, consumeristic lifestyles, you know, our root chakra thrives off this. People find it exciting when world affairs are happening because it gives them a reason to live. You see, centuries ago when life was more simple, we grew vegetables in the earth, hunted animals. We were hunter-gatherers, right? With a lot more simple lives. All of our focus could stay on keeping alive in a healthy way. But now, since we live in a time of convenience, our primal selves have now been diverted to issues collectively. You see, people watch the news with this sort of hunter-gatherer survivalist mindset. Now, I'm not saying watching the news is bad, but I'm saying if you want to have a certain level of advancement in spirituality, you should definitely limit that and also be mindful and detached when you do encounter worldly information like that. These things are ultimately not important to you spiritually as an individual. How many world issues have you been deeply egoically concerned about which actually affected you directly? You might not agree with this, but truly we are living in a time of great insanity where people, for example, are walking in beautiful green parks on a lovely day. But if you watch them closely, they are basically talking to themselves, playing stories in their head about such and such a crisis in the world, and they're not paying attention to the real world around them. But instead, they're immersed in a world of a mood of depression and dreams in their head. You know, there's a time for that. If you want to be concerned about that, be concerned, but don't carry it around with you and make it who you are wherever you go in this world. There's much more to life than that. All of these problems and crises, you know, they're also just temporary. They're fleeting. We can take COVID as a good example here. Some people develop really major mental difficulties with coping with COVID, right? But for many, has it actually affected them directly? Of course, it has affected us all, myself included. But I also don't personally see it as this thing where I've been attacked or intruded in my life like a foreign enemy has done something to a person, to me. I'm not victimizing myself on a personal level or wallowing in self-pity about my situation and the limitations that have entered my life. These are important egoic traits to look out for because if we don't look out for them, our mental health and spiritual identity breaks down. You know, forgetting COVID for a moment, we should realize that any kind of circumstance could change our life at any moment. We have to rise to being adaptable and not be attached to our daily life. It's only when we are attached to things and our routines are broken that we feel threatened. And then we seek to blame things and make them into problems, make them into a living war. There's always a war, right, collectively, the war on drugs, the war on crime, the war with other countries, you know, and then the ego is in this survivalist state of, I must win. Uh, and, you know, to think of different 
situations that could happen in your life that would overshadow all of the world crisis happening, uh, you know, something could happen to a family member. Something could happen to you. You know, the most ultimate situation is you could die at any moment. And if we truly lived with death by our sides, so to speak, then our perspective of the world and our personal life would absolutely change. So this is all part of that imbalanced root chakra mindset you see. So like Bruce Lee famously said, we need to be like water. We need to be adaptable and we need a certain level of passiveness or indifference towards changes on the surface level of our lives. Much like the story about the Zen master who, when things would keep dramatically changing in his life, he would neither react or add a narrative to it in his head. But instead, Instead, he would just say, is that so? Even when someone gave him a baby that wasn't even his. So I'll leave a link below if you want to listen to that nice story. So to start to awaken spiritually, to start to raise Kundalini, to start to climb higher within ourselves, is to also keep gaining a bigger picture of life. It's to always transcend in higher perspectives. And from the point of view of a higher perspective, the problems that existed when we were in our lower perspectives suddenly make a lot more sense. And they certainly don't trouble us psychologically anymore. And this is also how we can gain uh, better karma for ourselves by doing spiritual practices. Because when we raise our own consciousness, we raise the consciousness of other people too, simply by being ourselves. We don't have to necessarily turn into a preacher or try to convince people of things or change their beliefs. Your own silence, your own presence becomes enough. So this is also how our root chakra controls our thoughts, third eye and crown chakras by telling our higher centers to only be concerned with primal survival. And thus the root chakra sends images into the mind's eye about all of these things. This is why studying the chakras is also to study human nature and not just to study, but to understand. And in doing so, you become a more forgiving and compassionate person towards others. You'll start to do this naturally because you recognize when a particular type of person is stuck in a certain type of energy level or limited perspective. Instead of judging them, you suddenly understand what limitations they are living in and suffering from because you transcended this yourself and are able to empathize. To empathize means that you have processed a certain amount of suffering yourself, right? It's not that you ignore suffering, but you accepted it and processed it. Others who haven't transcended it are still in resistance with it. So you can see now why I said in the previous episodes, the lower chakras are somewhat inferior, especially this root chakra, which is essentially where materialism lives within us. This root chakra, without the combination of the higher chakras, which transmutes the energy higher, is extremely limited in its understanding of reality. It can easily master physical life processes, become a great and respected employee in society with good morals. But when it comes to the spiritual, people stuck in the chakra cannot begin to even try to understand spiritual reality, nor can they sense it. Why? Because it's just not logical. 
spirituality is not logical within the dimension of intelligence of the root chakra. So regardless of all this, it's still an important chakra, but as I've been saying, we abuse it and essentially it leaks and more implications of imbalance here are basically that we don't like our physical life, we become unhealthy, have bad self-esteem, become depressed, low energy, eating dysfunctions, sexual dysfunctions and stuff like that. So very basic tips for balancing it would be to go on long walks in nature, walk barefoot, connect to the earth, get some some fresh air and sunlight, eat healthy food, do some light exercise, yoga stretches, all of this will ground you in your body. And when we are grounded in the body, in our physical senses, in our environments in the world around us, fully accepting it, fully aligned with it, not in resistance or conflict with it, then we revitalize our vital energies and our life suddenly becomes a great foundation for spiritual work, imbued with peaceful and positive energy. Almost all forms of pranayama are good for this chakra too. I'll be teaching a good one towards the end of this episode. So, as explained in the first episode, the root chakra is where kundalini first enters, whether you are an ordinary or spiritual person, okay? Just a tiny drop, a tiny ounce of this universal pranic life force, which is infinite, entering our body is enough to let us feel happy, energized, focused, enlightened. The problem is, we're like greedy children who just party like animals when we're just a little bit endowed with the happiness of this great energy. And we're not aware how we expend these energies through every type of behavior. So maybe you can tell I'm saying these little tips very casually, right? Making these basic life improvements should be easy. But unfortunately, these simple things such as just having a shower, cleaning your house, not overeating like a pig. Uh, I'm guilty of it too sometimes, don't worry. Um, but, you know, getting fresh air, going on a walk, looking after your basic mental health. All of these things are very basic, but unfortunately, they are very difficult for a lot of us to do. Tomorrow I'm going to eat healthy. Tomorrow I'll do this or that. This is very simple to look after ourselves sensibly as animals, as we would look after our pets. We form conflicts with these simple things, making excuses as to why we don't do them, etc. Right? Uh, but my point is, and sort of the solution to this is when we aspire to divine energies above the lower chakras, all of these simple physical animal level activities suddenly become very effortless and we suddenly have the energy to do it all and it all gets manifest because now you have a higher purpose. Your purpose is to awaken kundalini or realize God or higher consciousness or to have a sort of divine union with your partner or anything that you are devoted to in a deep way. 
with your soul, however you want to label your spiritual path, okay? So ironically, in this sense, the way we become complete and balanced in the root chakra is to not focus on it so much, but to focus on the higher dimensions of life. This conventional idea that we are a species just to survive is really mistaken. We are not created to merely survive. If that were so, we would be far better off just being reduced to mere worms in the earth. We are destined for a purpose far greater than merely surviving like an animal. We are destined to walk in the body of God, the body of the divine consciousness, and realize all of its processes and enjoy the certain abilities and phenomena that come with all of that. Okay, so in a strong sense, the chakras aren't actually materially part of the physical anatomy, because as we explored in the previous episode, all prana descends from non-physical matter to the physical, and it's the root where it's first collected. So there aren't actually spinning discs in our physical body. The physical expression or the physical manifestation of these chakras in physical form are the seven main endocrine glands, as we saw in the previous episode. So accordingly, the root chakra and all of the chakras are inside or are energies of our etheric body. The etheric body is also known as the vital body, and it's responsible for keeping the physical body healthy by delivering energy, prana, to the physical body. Really, imbalance in the root chakra opens the doors to all sorts of illnesses. It's sort of the first place where illness can enter if you are not guarding that center by being present in your body. If you're in your house, thieves don't come, right? But if you're not in your house, then they start to break in and cause disturbances, illnesses, right? The etheric body sort of coexists as another layer, another dimension of energy. It animates, it vibrates the physical body. And this etheric body is really where all our chakras reside, as well as being made up of our 72,000 nadis, which are energy streams in the etheric body. But the main three nadis are called Ida, Pingala, and Shashumna. Ida is the feminine lunar current and Pingala is the masculine solar current, often depicted as the two snakes going up the spinal column, the spinal column being Shushumna, the central pathway of Kundalini. When Ida and Pingala meet in the head, this is also known as the reunion of Shiva and Shakti, often depicted as one being which is half masculine, half female because they have joined in sacred union, which is really the principle or essential teaching of almost all spiritual and religious teachings. So the reunion of Shiva and Shakti in our head, the reunion of masculine and feminine, happens when the energy of Kundalini rises inwards and upwards. Right now it's going downwards and outwards. You could say that our root chakra is basically leaking energetically. The universal currents of life go into our bodies and then just go back into the great field of consciousness, of conscious energy, leaving us to stay like uh, children, unconscious of this universal energy. 
So since this is the root where our biggest storehouse of energy is, this is also about our sexuality and our sexual energy. And if that energy is abused, especially by things such as excess masturbation and things like that, then we feel drained tired. You know how most men are tired or lose their passion and want to sleep after reaching climax, right? Uh, well, this goes into tantra and sexual transmutation. Uh, if you're not familiar with this, it is not to say sex is bad. Quite the opposite. It can be a way to give you even more energy, but the root chakra is simply the center that collects this energy or expels this energy. So we'll see more in the next episode about the center which actually controls that energy more directly, the sacral chakra, which is located in the endocrine glands of either the prostate gland in men or the uterus gland in women. In the meantime, it's very much recommended to watch my episode on the nature of sexual energy and transmutation. And if you're really interested, definitely see all the links, book recommendations and resources I left in the description of that particular video. The link is on the screen now. Uh, the practice taught at the end of that episode is also designed to raise our kundalini inwards and upwards. You know, all spiritual practice ultimately leads to kundalini going upwards in some fashion. As we are making spiritual efforts, we are opening mini doors inside our system which allow this union of consciousness to merge with us. There's actually a gland at the base of the spine that shoots the cerebrospinal fluid up the spine to purify the brain. So the root chakra is the foundation of the spiritual work. Whenever you create an intention, a new habit, a new principle that you add to your spiritual practice, whether it's a mantra, pranayama, yoga, prayer, this is first put into action through the medium of our physical material body. Some of you asked, you know, is physical life or the material a bad thing? No, it, it's essential. This is why on the tree of life, also known as Kabbalah, it is called our foundation. This is where we live. The physical body in the third dimension is a gift to access higher realms from a safe, stable and spiritually intelligent and strong home. Look at an actual foundation of a house. If you have no spirituality, you likely have a house without a foundation and are just a fragmented consciousness blown by the wind in every direction. But if you have a deep foundation, steady, rooted in your being, you live peacefully, like being in the center of the eye of the storm instead of being in the storm. And if you're in the center, you're able to watch experiences go by, watch life go by, not clinging to anything. This is where permanent integrity can be born and be anchored in the present moment and in our center of gravity as an individual. This is how we grow as an actual individual rather than being blown away by the currents of collective energy and the conditioning that we've accumulated from the conditionings of that in our egos. So through empowering this root chakra and getting in touch with it, we begin to feel at home within ourselves. A lot of people are always seeking to find a comfortable home externally in this difficult life, in this situation of this planet. But no place outside of ourselves, however nice, can ultimately be home. 
The only home you ever inhabit is your own body, your own source of creation. And when you feel at home with that, then home is anywhere. So just before I get on to the practices, for those interested in biblical references to the root chakra, like I talked about in the first episode, uh, the root chakra is the church of Ephesus in Revelation. Here's one part. It says, To the angel of the church of Ephesus, the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks, I know your deeds, your labor, your patience. I know you cannot tolerate evil. Nevertheless, I am somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Therefore, Always remember how far you have fallen and repent and do the first works, or else I will come to thee and remove thy candlestick out of its place. The angel is that intelligence within this region of the church of Ephesus, our root center, which holds or powers the seven stars and seven golden candlesticks, which of course refer to the seven sacred fires of Kundalini. It's acknowledging that, yes, this is such a pure and abundant center of intelligence, always producing life energies for us tirelessly, even though we live in ignorance and abuse of it. You know, just how if you have a, you know, a good mother in your life, a mother always gives to you no matter what, right? Unconditional love. They just want to provide for you and help you in whatever way. And as long as you're happy, they're happy, right? And this is how our divine mother or mother nature within us helps us too. It always gives us our energies, always picks us up, always heals us naturally, no matter how bad or lost or how much we abuse those energies in various ways. And so this part in the Bible continues to say, we have left our first love, the first chakra, and we have to work on this chakra or else it will become unbalanced. Our first love, of course, relates to the first chakra, but in a way that it is recognizing that it's love, which is the feminine force, the Divine Mother Kundalini. Okay, so let's get on to a few practices for beginning to start generating this energy, the root chakra being a generator for all of the chakras, or better said, to regenerate this energy for to start to work with kundalini is to work with the snake, the serpent, which represents rebirth through death. Of course, not physical death, but spiritual, psychological death. As a disclaimer, all of the practices that will be given in this series are, I would say, one of the most safest and natural out there, okay? Nothing to do with trying to forcefully pull energy up the spine or trying to force anything for that matter. A lot of the practices I will be teaching were taught in my Gnostic group and none of us students ever experienced anything negative. It was organic, natural and relaxed. And remember that as a foundation to all of this, ultimately, Kundalini awakening is synonymous with the dissolvement of the ego. And forcing to dissolve the ego is impossible. It needs daily, mindful, mature, balanced, intelligent, you know, committed and devoted approach. I say this very firmly, no progress can be made spiritually without 
the transcendence of the ego. If you're trying to forcefully move some energy up somewhere, but you have blockages, well, those blockages are there because there's a part of you that you need to know, right? Temet noske, know thyself. And if you know thyself, then you will become enlightened and that block will remove. You can't remove energy blockages just by thinking that, you know, in a material sense that, oh, uh, we'll just move this block by punching your stomach really hard or something, okay? The only way to move blockages is by totally comprehending it. And you totally comprehend it by using meditation and using your total attention and applying it there with patience, compassion, and understanding. Some people in odd kundalini schools say that they experience pains or something. Uh, sure, if you're forcing things, then something like that could happen. But we have to be gentle and compassionate with ourselves and total relaxation is crucial before, during and after any practice. We're not trying to force anything here. We just want to grow in awareness and that's it. By simply growing in awareness gradually, everything else will happen as it should. Or some people in these other systems say things like they feel crazy or something. Uh, you know, do you think forcing or psyching yourself into craziness is anything to do with genuine enlightenment? Drunkenness is ego. Soberness and sobriety is consciousness. Awakening feels like you've been submerged in dirty water for thousands of years and suddenly you rise out of the water to breathe in the fresh air. It's a wonderful feeling. Stop associating kundalini with all these negative feelings of the ego. It's pure bliss for a lack of better words. And sure, in some kind of way, for some people, they may feel a bit crazy if they have been extremely submerged in a big and strong ego in darkness for so long. And then they might have a little shock because their egoic thoughts of the world are breaking down and they're slowly realizing there's a whole other world they never knew existed. And if their ego is big still, then their reaction will be just as big. And instead of being at peace with awakening and accepting it, they react to it with more ego and so don't really come out of the surface of the water in the end until they persist in their practice. But this only usually happens when one forces themselves in some way. Authentic awakening only comes to those who are willing to surrender their ego. So what I'm really saying here is don't put so much expectation, some wonderful things are going to happen, are you going to awaken clairvoyance or clairaudience or have all these astral projections? Just enjoy the practices in a balanced way daily and just enjoy life happily in gratitude in appreciation for your existence this is a fundamental approach to all of spirituality to all of this and when you live in this sort of grace of love and devotion and not expecting too much then experiences will come to you and you won't cling to them. You won't call yourself a superman or something like that because you earned it through your own efforts. Okay, so I will be giving a lot of 
different practices over these episodes. So remember, it doesn't mean you need to do all of them. Practice what you like and see what's right for you and incorporate it into your daily spiritual practice accordingly. I'll also be giving a practice towards the end of the series, which enables you to work with all of the chakras at the same time in a powerful way. But since we're only on the first chakra, let's focus on more foundational practices first. I'll first give you a bunch of recommendations of where to start. Everything I'm going to talk about from here on out will have the relevant links and resources in the description below. So recommendation number one for meditation, self-awareness, overcoming the ego with self-observation and staying present and grounded in your body, I recommend The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle, specifically the audiobook narrated by the author himself. That alone made a huge impact on my own life, but it has to be listened with the heart. It's not an intellectual digest or something, okay? Uh, Number two, another recommended resource for meditation is watching an old Indian video called The Power of Meditation by Spiritual Reality. It's a really great hour-long visual guide on how to meditate in a pure way. Uh, It really teaches you the process of the essence of meditation and healing through the etheric body in a simple way. It's a really great video. Definitely check that out. Uh, Number three, check out the main lessons and also the Tantra lessons on the AYP websites. Or even better, read basically any of Yogani's books. They are full of clear, concise explanations and practices. He has audiobooks as well. Number four, strengthen your perineum so that you can instinctively lock in your energies better. There's a practice for this called Mulabandha, which means root lock in Sanskrit. This is sort of like Kegel exercises where you strengthen your pelvic floor This perineum muscle, the same muscle as we use to hold in urine, is especially useful during pranayama breathing exercises. As a simple daily exercise, which can be done anytime, is to do a strong squeeze of the muscle, then release it and do it 50 times. It can be done in 50 seconds with 50 squeezes. This will strengthen your root lock, right? This will strengthen that muscle. For more in-depth Mulabanda exercises, just check out the resources below. Number four, follow the guided Hamsa Pranayama meditation, which I have on my channel. If you don't like that one, then we'll be looking at another type of pranayama now. Before we get into pranayama, prana meaning life energy and yama meaning control, so pranayama is to control the breath, we should first understand how to breathe correctly. I'll leave a link down below for that as well, but essentially only breathing into your lungs or worse into your neck and shoulders. So when you inhale, if you're only your shoulders are just raising, this is not good for your energy and especially your root chakra. When you inhale, make sure to breathe into your belly. Your lower body should expand. Your stomach should come out a little bit. 
This expands and relaxes all sorts of nerves in the lower body. If you find you struggle to do that because of years of constricted breathing and stressful energy, then it may take time for your nervous system to adjust. But I promise you, if you persist for a while trying to deep breathe, uh, it's a small change that can make a massive impact on your life and state of mind. I remember when I first realized I wasn't breathing properly, uh, it was difficult for me to breathe downwards. But now, after a lot of time of practicing, I always, just naturally, always breathe from my belly. And it's, I can really tell, you know, how it's changed my uh, physiology in terms of just being a more relaxed person and having a more relaxed state of mind. Okay, so I'm going to give you a good pranayama to begin with. When we reach the crown chakra episode, I'm going to give an even more powerful pranayama. But first, let's start with this one, which is called spinal breathing. You may have heard of it before. Spinal breathing has its origins in scriptures dating back to 4,000 years ago. There's been a lot of schools since then which have sort of diverted or modified it. One of the first systems using this practice is called Kriya Yoga. But even since Kriya Yoga began, there's been various branches of Kriya Yoga too. So one of the most basic and grounded teachers for spinal breathing that I recommend is from an author I recommended at the end of my own book, whose name is Yogani. The teacher on the AYP website I recommended earlier. I will leave a link below so that you can read further into spinal breathing to concrete this practice in your own mind so that you can practice it in your own time. I'll probably do a guided spinal breathing meditation video at some points, uh, but it is very simple and you can easily do this yourself at your own leisure. So, pranayama is to be done immediately before meditation. Okay, the purpose of pranayama is to open up and purify the nervous system so that it's in a raw state for deep meditation. It's sort of like digging a hole in the ground so that we can sit down inside it. Otherwise, if we just sit on the surface, there's too much noise. So it's to strengthen the connection between your body and mind through the control of prana in your body, meaning the breath and all the ways in which prana manifests within us. Thoughts or thought forms also being powered by prana. So be mindful of this. It's sort of like, you know, we have our internal house that we live in. And right now it's a mess. So using pranayama is sort of like opening all the windows and doors in your house and getting a really powerful vacuum cleaner and moving all the dust around so that we can actually see and breathe and have a good space within us to meditate. This is why it's called, you know, a sort of breath work. So if you've not been doing in-depth breathing exercises like this before meditation, you're about to open up a whole new dimension of deeper meditation. Uh, a lot of more sort of conventional teachings and schools don't teach pranayama or they will just tell you to do some very simple breathing practices, which are good and are essentially pranayama, but it's a lot more effective if we do the more advanced pranayama breathing practices uh, like I'm teaching you here. It's very much considered crucial for meditation in many Hindu and Buddhist schools. So in this way, the steps of meditation are 
first relaxation, then pranayama, then meditation. No physical movement is necessary throughout any of this. It's all internal. Okay, so here's how you do spinal breathing pranayama. Once you're relaxed, sitting upright, keeping your mouth and eyes closed for the whole practice, only breathing through our nostrils, start by placing your awareness at your perineum. You may also start at the coccyx as well if you prefer. Then begin to inhale through your nose slowly and as you do, follow your spine upwards with your awareness, going first to the coccyx, then the back of the stomach, back of the chest, right? Just following your, the root of your spine, uh, going to back of the neck, back of the head, to the top of your head a little. And then when your inhalation is full, you should reach between and behind your eyebrows where your pineal gland and pituitary gland is. And then when you exhale, simply follow the same path back downwards until you reach your coccyx again, stopping at the perineum, okay? And you simply repeat, breathing deeply and slowly and relaxed in this way, going up the spine to the top of the head in the pineal gland, the sahasrara chakra, the crown chakra, and then traveling back down to the root chakra again. To help you with this, you can visualize a small ball of light going up the central canal of the spine. Okay, combining your imagination in this way while placing attention on the spine can be very powerful. Uh, alternatively, you can see a small thread like the spinal nerve and follow it or a small square like a lift traveling up a tall skyscraper. Anything like that will work. Just naturally synchronize it with following your breath and just let your awareness go up and down as you breathe like this, gentle and relaxed. You may notice while going past certain parts of the spine, it might be more challenging than other parts. You may feel certain energies. It's important to not strain or force anything. Just stay detached and don't react mentally, okay? Just focus in a sort of zen-like state, okay? Uh, if you feel any blockages or certain energies, just see it as phenomena in your consciousness and stay impartial and simply continue and resume wherever your awareness can continue its path up and down, okay? Don't stop anywhere and say, oh, what's happening, right? Just continue with the breath and just carry on up and carry on back down. With time, you'll master a deeper awareness over this spinal journey. This particular spinal breathing practice is sort of like an energy massage for the spine or like an energy scan. We're not pulling any energies up or anything. We're simply just using the power of attention. We're using awareness to cleanse the pathways of kundalini within us only by using awareness, not anything else that's strange, okay? How can your awareness be dangerous, right? You can place your attention on anything in your room, wherever you are right now. It doesn't do anything dangerous. We're just looking, observing, and that observation is being directed and traveling within us. So that's it. 
Get into a comfortable position, relax, inhale and travel up from the perineum and up the spine to the back of the head, top of the head and into the pineal gland and then exhale traveling back down the head to the spine and back to the perineum or just the whole you know lower chakra part and repeat. And it can be done for as long as you like in a relaxed way for a few minutes at the very minimum. And over many days, weeks or months, if you enjoy this, uh, this practice can go so deep that you feel the depths of yourself expand as you take this journey through the seven different cosmic regions within you. It becomes like traveling into deep space. Uh, and when you're ready to stop, just stop. You can stop at the head or you can stop at the root chakra, it doesn't matter. And there's no need for you to do anything physically as you transition into meditation. Simply stay still and begin profound meditation immediately. Now, when you go into your meditation, you can do whatever meditation you already know as part of your practice. But if you'd like to focus on the Muladhara chakra, the root chakra, uh, this can be also a type of meditation as well. You can simply just focus on this part of your body, simply peacefully placing your awareness on it for long periods of time in deep meditation without losing focus or being distracted by thoughts. If a thought comes in, you remain impartial and just place awareness back on the chakras. So simply just focusing on the root chakra is a way to balance this chakra and it will also help you to sit in meditation for longer periods of time effortlessly too because you learn to merge into and enjoy the very act of just sitting, just being. This is why a lot of mainstream spiritual teachings always first, of course, just focus on sitting, just breathing, just being. It's so important to build a foundation with our being. It allows you to sit for long periods because remember that this chakra is a source of energy that revitalizes the body. And in many ways, it restores it in similar ways regular sleep does. Meditation in this way is also known as conscious sleep. So a little tip here as well, if you feel tired or your attention is all over the place and you're struggling to focus, simply squeeze your perineum muscle a little bit and sort of suck in energy inwards and upwards just a bit. You should naturally feel a surge or boost of energy just from a little inhale while squeezing and inhaling upwards and inwards. Now, if you'd like to add an element to this meditation, you can choose from two mantras which are directly related to awakening the root chakra. The first one is the sound of the hiss of the snake, which is okay? Just repeat this while focusing on the perineum. Uh, you can focus on the coccyx at the same time too or just the general region of this lowest part of your body and experiment with the energy it creates, okay? So just repeat and then inhale Okay, you just carry on. Uh, the other mantra is a set of three sounds this, das, dos That's D-I-S 
then D-A-S, then D-O-S. I'll recite it for you now. D and repeat with a deep breath each time before each one. Strike the D and let it ring out with the S. The S sound can continue for longer for the remainder of your entire exhalation. Okay, so striking the D is like striking a bell. And then the gong is the E, A, O, okay? And then the remainder of it is the S. And the whole time your attention is focused on the root chakra. You can begin loud for some time. And then when you feel you go into a more profound and relaxed meditation, you can slowly go quieter until you start doing it mentally. This kind of technique can be applied to any mantra. So uh, just to give you an example, I'll just say the mantras quickly. So you'll say it loud and begin like this, right? Dis, das, dos. And then over time, you'll start to sound like dis, das, dos. Almost like you're drunk or kind of going into a trance, okay? And then eventually, when it becomes very quiet, you just start doing it mentally. And then eventually, you stop reciting the mantra, either vocally or mentally. And you just sit, being again, feeling the energies. You will absolutely feel a certain type of energy which your body has been now imbued and endowed with and you just sit there in this celestial sensation just observing and you can stay there for as long as you like and when you're ready you simply come out of meditation slowly in a relaxed way in a centered and grounded way so of course you can just vocalize it vocally or you can just do it mentally. It's up to you. If people are in your house, then of course you can just do it all mentally too. But doing it outwardly is also good because it generates more vibrations into the body, right? Remember that the body is mostly water and the molecular structure of water can be modified very easily through our vibrations and sensations and actions and emotions through placing our attention on it. Okay, so to describe a little bit about this mantra, this connects the chakras of the head to your root and das and dos connect your chest and heart areas to your root. Remember, as I've been saying, we need to develop these superior chakras in superior ways. 
for both of these mantras, and especially if you're a very visual person, you can visualize a red circle or a disc spinning clockwise at the base of your body. So that's from left to right, okay? And you can feel it there. You can see it there spinning in your mind's eye whilst you're doing the mantralization. Uh, interestingly, these mantras can also be used mentally during sexual union with your partner in order to gain control over your sexual energy. So this is a useful tool if you're practicing semen retention and things like that. Uh, again, see the links in the description related to sexual transmutation, especially in the video that I did of that. There are a lot of useful resources and books there. Okay, so I think that's enough for this episode. It's ran a bit longer than I expected. Um, questions are always welcome, as always. Uh, a shout out to Izzy, Magdalena, Kay, James, Thomas, Gregor and Sebi, who all joined on Patreon this week. For extra support and guidance on all this and to support Astral Doorway, check out the link in the description below for more details. Thank you everyone and see you on the next episode, which will cover the second chakra, Svadhisthana, the sacral chakra. <laughs>